Wow, okay. Let's pray. Let's get into it. We're going to be Mark chapter 6 today, starting in there, and uh, we'll make our way through that. Um, Father, we want to thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of your word, the revelation of your word, and we pray that it brings a new freedom to us today. Help us to see, come Holy Spirit. We thank you that you are here. We recognise that you are here, already at work. And we're, we're mindful of these things that we need to keep doing, and we want to keep doing to build community, to demonstrate care. And more significantly, we want to be open and obedient to you and to your heart. Come, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Have you ever been in a place and listening to everything that people have done uh, and wondered if you're talking about the same person? Have you ever been in a place and you're in a conversation with another friend and they're talking about a third person, about how wonderful and what they've seen them do and how they've seen them be involved in their community or how they've been um, engaged and connected and how encouraging they've been. And the whole time you're sitting there thinking, have I got their name wrong? Have you ever been in that position? Or maybe you're sitting there in that conversation and all you can think about is the last encounter you had with them. Or the last time that person, maybe, you know, maybe it was 10 or 15 years ago, and you're thinking, is that the same person that I saw then, or that did that to me? Or... And you're struggling to reconcile these two people here that you're one hearing about and one you've experienced. Maybe all you can do as you're being told about that person is how much they annoyed you and how frustrating they've been at various times and how difficult it seems to have been. Have you ever been in a room and someone remembers you growing up? And somehow that's the whole image they have of you despite the fact that you know, you've married and got your own kids now, but their whole image of you is wrapped up in what you did when you were 12. Have you ever been in that room? Have you ever felt the sense of awkwardness or the sense of, oh, really? The sense of weight and heaviness? Perhaps it's something that um, you would rather forget. I heard once that, uh, I think it was Andrew was down the street or someone else was uh, down the street and they were talking to one of my old teachers and they talked, oh, you know, what's Simon up to now? Oh, he's in ministry. And they went, what? <laughs> and I didn't think I was that bad a student, to be honest. I, I might not have done all my work, but I didn't think I was disruptive or that, that unholy that someone would be surprised I went into ministry. But, but isn't it, uh, it's funny, isn't it, how one experience or one encounter can shape how people respond to us. And today I'd really love to uh, encourage us to see Jesus in a new light, in new ways and fresh eyes because I think this is the place that we discover Jesus as we continue to explore what it means to follow Jesus, as we invite you to consider today to follow Jesus. What does it look like to view Jesus with a new lens? Because I suspect as we read this story, many of us are in the same position as we see others in this story, that we've got so used to Jesus. We think we understand Jesus. We've heard all that we can about Jesus. Or we've somehow got him pegged. And yet, 
He wants, to, he wants us to encounter him in new ways because in encountering him in a new way, we encounter God, the Father, in a new way. Our life becomes one that is transformed and open up to new possibilities. So Mark chapter 6, verses 1 to 6. Jesus left there. This is, uh, he left um, Capernaum, I think it was, the previous verse, and after the woman who was bleeding for 12 years and Jairus, the synagogue leader, he went to his hometown, Galilee and Nazareth, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue and many who heard him were amazed. Now this is a fascinating thing, I think, about Jesus. He moves in and out and you see this rhythm of Jesus. You see this rhythm about constantly moving amongst the community, being a part of the community, moving back into the synagogue, moving back into what has been expressed, challenging the nature of the synagogue, certainly, challenging their reason for existence, certainly, uh, speak, trying to speak fulfilment and hope into the synagogue. But I think it's fascinating that God uh, reveals himself in Jesus and moves in and out of this natural rhythm between things happening on the street, into people's homes, into the synagogue. Just a fascinating insight. Where did this man get these things? The crowd asked. What's this wisdom that has been given to him? And what are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offence at him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honour except in his own town, among his relatives and in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Now I just want to pause here. I just want to pause here and unpack a few things before I get to an invitation and consideration. <clears throat> There is a fascination with Jesus. Did you hear that? and you saw this fascination? Where did this man get these things? What's this wisdom that has been given to him? And what are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Now, if you read some translations, it's almost, it's almost those two things are joined together. He has this wisdom that allows him to perform the miracles. The wisdom sustains and directs and helps him discern the path for his miracles, if you like. Depends on your translation. Those questions aren't always broken up like that. But I think it's uh, telling that they firstly ask, what's this wisdom, what's this knowledge that he carries? And then what is this about his capacity to perform miracles? And then this is the crunch point. Isn't this the carpenter? Imagine, like, we've, we've, we struggle to move out of that. What's the first question we ask people? What do you do? You know, and some of us have been, oh, you know, you work, you, you work where? I don't want to use any businesses, but, <laughs> you know, organisations, government organisations, oh, you're one of them. <laughs> Isn't this the carpenter? Hang on, how can a carpenter, so you hear, how can a carpenter firstly have that kind of wisdom? How can a carpenter secondly perform those kind of miracles? This, this, whoa. 
And then it goes further. Isn't this Mary's son? Now, who's missing there? Yeah. You don't think they're having a dig at his family? Remember, Mary, virgin, not married. And they're reliving it all again 30 years later. Oh, you belong to that family. Wouldn't that knock the air out of you? Some of us feel this, some of us know this. We've carried these kind of things. This is, this is just dredging it all up again. Now, Jesus is okay because <laughs> he's the son of the living God. He's Jesus. But, you know, you're the brother of James, Joseph, Judas and Simon. Aren't his sisters here with us? We know you. You can't have that kind of wisdom. You can't perform those kind of miracles. And they were right. Because all they saw was the carpenter. All they saw was Mary's son. Someone they knew because of his family connection. Here's the thing. Fascination isn't faith or submission. You can be fascinated with Jesus and not trust him. You can be inspired by Jesus and not trust him. You might have grown up in the church your whole life hearing stories about Jesus. Fascinated, think he's kind of okay. Yeah, I've heard about Jesus, but that's not faith or submission in Jesus. See, his hometown essentially attempt to squash or dismiss his wisdom and his miracles with seven qu- those, those questions, which is essentially one statement. Don't we know you? We know where you've come from. We know who you are. The text says they were offended by him or they took offence at him. Now, offended is a pretty strong word, I must admit. Well, and then, but then I looked up the Greek and I was reading some, uh, preparing this, and it comes up with the Greek word for this is, uh, and I'll, the pronunciation will be terrible, escandalizonto. See, I tried to practice that all week and I still mucked it up. Escandalizonto. Escandalizonto. Jesus was causing a scandal for them. They go all over again. The word is our English word for scandal. So to be offended by someone, I, you know, but to be scandalised by someone, to have your whole world tipped upside down and everything you thought you knew shaken out of the box, to be scandalised by his mere presence, because they thought they knew him. And I can't help but wonder, does Jesus scandalise our thinking? (laughs) Does Jesus scandalise our worship? Or do we just get a little bit of offended, you know, just a bit of a prick in our skin or in our heart and every now and then, we just kind of keep going on our way. They were scandalised by him. 
They were uprooted, tipped upside down, rattled by him. (laughs) And we're told that this essentially um, becomes a stumbling block to their seeing the fullness of Jesus. Their capacity of what Jesus could bring is dampened by their lack of faith, their lack of willingness to hope and believe. And you remember, you, you partner that with a woman who could barely touch him the day before or the week before or whenever it was. You partner that with a man who is lowered by others <laughs> through a roof sometime earlier. No declaration of faith, simply action, simply movement. These things are scandalous actions. This woman who is bleeding, walking in a crowd, is a scandalous action. This group of men who bring, G, bring their friend, paralyzed man, and lower him through a roof in a ceiling is a scandalous action. Their vision is obscured by what they knew. And my prayer this week is that our vision wouldn't be um, obscured by what we think we already know about Jesus, what we think we've already learnt or experienced about Jesus, and that's it. My prayer this week has been, come Holy Spirit, rattle our cage. (laughs) Hear the words of Jesus. Um, Remember this. In Mark chapter 4, verse 12, uh, they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Perceiving, sorry. Ever seeing, so they can see what's happening in front of them. They know what's happening in front of them, but they don't get it. Ever hearing, so you hear the word, you hear the wisdom of Jesus, but never understanding. Never having it sink deep into their hearts, never allowing the word of Jesus to affect the way that they think. The Gospel of John writes it like this. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So there's, there's these um, pairs that Mark writes in. You notice uh, as he writes, and as I've already alluded to a little bit, and you'll see it again over the coming weeks, you'll see that Mark writes in pairs. And I don't want to give too much away because I don't want to take anything away. And, but you can read ahead and you might see hints of it. But each pairing indicates a movement or a transition in understanding, a growth and a maturing in understanding, an invitation to go deeper. And Mark is, uh, the Gospel of Mark is trying to help the reader capture the idea that you have this repeated invitation made and made again. Will you not only um, hear but perceive and understand? Will you not only see but perceive? Will you not only see but participate? Are you seeing and hearing? You might remember this text from a couple of weeks ago in Mark uh, chapter 3. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him for they said, he is out of his mind. 
He's out of his mind. And later on, um, he's sitting in a crowded room and someone comes and taps him on his shoulder and they say, hey, hey, Jesus, your, your mother and your brothers and your sisters are out there. They, they want to talk to you. And he says, I'll tell you what. <laughs> Here are my brothers. Here are my sisters. Here's my mother. Those that do the will of the Father. Those that see and perceive those that hear and understand. God is a, he goes, and then he goes about revealing what the work is, what the kingdom looks like, what the will of the Father is. And then he brackets the disbelief with those who are on the other side of the lake. So you hear this, we want to take charge of him, he's out of his mind. Isn't this Mary's son? Do you, hear, do you get that bracket? So he's joining a couple of things together. Um, last, was it last week? A couple of weeks ago. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legions of demons sitting there dressed in his right mind and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. And this was people on the other side. Remember the non-Jew side, the non-believing side. The people who really aren't meant to get it. And now on this side, as Jesus comes back to his own people, they're still not getting it. Are you getting it? Are you seeing the brackets? Where once the understand or wondering or disbelief was on the other side, now it's in his hometown. One community, community asks him to leave based on what he has done, their inability to receive and see who he is. His own community reject his wisdom and miracles based on their knowing who he is. Both are not willing to receive him. Can you see how we can be a part of a community that know Jesus and don't know him at the same time? Come on now. Who is part of his family? Those who do the will of the Father. It's fascinating to me that just after this text, and Jared's going to unpack the text next week, um, that this is, it's just after this failure. If you, this is almost a failure because up until now we've been seeing miracles pop off left, right and centre, haven't we? Been seeing Jesus, people coming and just touching the edge of his cloak. People, just Jesus is just healing people, and then his own town, his hometown, it doesn't work. Just a few kind of miracles because they weren't willing to receive him, and that's when he sends his disciples. <laughs> I think that's brilliant. Up until this moment, Jesus, you would say, has been successful. He's done the healings. He's got the crowds. He's got the numbers. A manager would sign him up in a heartbeat. And then he goes to his hometown and it doesn't work. And then after that, he sends the disciples. Now it's your turn. You go and do something with it. What a gift. You've seen the full expression. You've seen the full life. You've seen what I've said. You've experienced uh, what I've done. Now, go. Go and do it. 
And I think that's why gathering is so important because we want to remind people what Jesus has said and done and now we want, we want to kind of want to say to you, now, all right, go and do it. <laughs> go and have a go. So then we come to this ultimate question. What does this all mean for you and I today as we sit here? Such a diversity of people as I look around the room. Some who have grown up in the church, some have been incredibly faithful witness, some who can continually to be uh, incredibly faithful in what they do and what they can bring. I know some who would love to do more, but they're, they're feeling uh, more frail, their bodies are aging, it's harder to do more, but they remain faithful in prayer. Some who have been around and just, you know, we come and we sit with our arms folded most week, we critique the service, maybe we critique the pastor, the word that's being given, the word that we didn't understand, the songs that we didn't like, and Jesus kind of can get left out of it. Um, you know, what do we do with this? I think gathering is important because it's about trying to empower and release and enthuse and remind us that we're not on our own as we're scattered throughout the district every week. As we face our battles in our homes, as we face our battles with our finances or with our health, we know that we are not on our own. But the question that I couldn't escape this week continues to be, what will I do with Jesus? What will you do with Jesus? How will you respond to Jesus? Let me, let me push a little harder perhaps. Have we become so familiar with Jesus, made our assumptions about who Jesus is, believe that we've understood and heard anything that we possibly ever could about Jesus, that we become dismissive of what, what we think God might be inviting us into or what God wants to do in our community? Have we become so used to it? That in fact, we dismiss it. Have we become the dampener to the work and the will of God because we think we know the fullness of Jesus? Or we think that we've seen a limit of what Jesus can do. So we can sing about Jesus and not really worship him. Now I was thinking about that song, Pour Out Our Praise. I don't know, sometimes I, you know, I just love receiving what the, the song is saying and hearing the voices of the, the congregation, the community rise up and I find that ministering to me. Sometimes it's about um, my throat is tired or I've done a lot of speaking so I find it hard to sing. But to pour out our praise, like it's, it's like this f huge fast flow tap. It's not like your usual unleaded, it's like you want diesel fast flow kind of thing. That's what I imagine is pour out. I don't want to be a person that sings about Jesus and not worship him. We can study Jesus without knowing him. And by knowing him, I mean like participating in what he asks us to. To confess our sins, to repent, 
to declare healing, to pray for healings, to see miracles, to submit ourselves, our finances, our marriages, our relationships, to believe that miracles can happen in our workplaces, in our homes. We can study Jesus, we can read all about him and then say, well, that doesn't happen anymore. I've heard it said. You've heard it said. Heartbreaking. And I think this is essentially the same as us saying, well, we know everything there is to know about Jesus. We can claim we know Jesus without following him. And claim we know Jesus without following him. How does Jesus shape your life? If someone came to you today, I'm out here, here's a question you can go and ask as after the service. How has knowing Jesus changed your life this week? How would you like knowing Jesus to change your life this week? And then pray for one another. And then next week, go and ask them. How'd that go? We can read about Jesus and never call him Lord. We can never come to that place. As much as we have the scriptures, as many versions, different versions as we have and as many different versions we have in our homes of reading scriptures and going to Bible studies and we can never call him Lord. The one, right God, I will submit to you. Oh, someone offended me? Oh, Jesus, I'll submit to you. I mucked up in this decision? Jesus, I'll submit to you and I'll make it right. What do you want me to do? I got angry over this issue and I behaved badly? Jesus, I submit to you. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to do it? How, how can I learn from this, Jesus? You're, you're Lord of my life, Jesus. You've got to guide my thought. My marriage is going disaster and it's my wife or my husband's fault? Jesus, no. I submit to you. You are Lord. I've made some poor financial decisions in my life and it's the rest of the world's fault. It's that company's fault. It's that business's fault. It's those stock market's fault. It's that investment's fault. No, no, Jesus, I made some poor decisions here and I confess and I need to submit to you as Lord of my life. I've been angry at my kids for 20 years. I follow Jesus. I haven't spoken to my kids for 50 years. Why? Oh, because they did something. Oh, I submit to Jesus. I haven't spoken to my parents for that long. There might be reasons for that. I know there's some people who there's issues of safety and protection and uh, abuse that we, we just cannot step into. But for some of us, it's just an issue of pride and we just refuse to submit to the Lordship of Jesus. What will you do with Jesus? How will you respond to Jesus? So today is that day where you might say, you know what, that's enough. And Pete and Jace, you might want to make your way around the back. Kirsty, you might want to make your way around the back as we prepare. If someone wants to go and let our kids know. I want all that to lead to a place where we say, What does it mean for you to follow Jesus? 
And maybe today is a day where yeah, you've thought about being baptised before and you've kind of put it off or you've made reasons as to why, but today I'm not making any more reasons, I'm not making any excuses. Maybe t- today is a day where, yep, I recognise, yes, I have followed Jesus, but I've got off the track, I've wavered or I've made plenty of excuses as to why I couldn't or why I shouldn't or whose fault that is and... But today, I need to submit again to the Lordship of Jesus. And we want to raise a hallelujah with you in that. So as the team come up as well, we're just going to participate in this time of ministry, this time of proclamation, this time of uh, expressing faith, this time of wonder, this time of joy. And we want you to raise a hallelujah with us. So one of our team will meet with you at the front if you want to come and get baptised. Um, I'll just ask Shirley or Jason to be... Where did they go? That, oh, Jason's there, Shirley, Shirley, it's all right. Just come and be at the front and be present and be uh, ready to receive people and they'll direct you around the back accordingly. Um, but we want to celebrate in this. We want to participate in this. Maybe you just need prayer. Maybe you just love someone to pray with you. Then we just want to invite you to come down the front and just be there and just enjoy this time of worship and witness and testimony. And then at the end of the service, we'll we'll just gather around and pray with you. But I don't want to be one of those people that Jesus speaks of and says, though seeing, never perceiving, though hearing, never understanding. I want my life and my faith to be awakened to the hope, to the promise, to the work of Jesus so that his kingdom comes here on earth as it is in heaven.